the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us. This is the Bible Live, the quiz show. We read the scriptures every weeknight, Monday through Friday. You can join us on this great station at 930 in the evening, and you'll hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the Bible. Every weeknight, a good, clear, would, modern version. Would that version. be like weekdays, Monday through Friday? Monday, yeah, <laughs> that's what weeknights means. Uh, yeah. I just want to be Jacob sure. is uh, proving that he's here as well. He just wanted to make sure he understood the meaning of weeknights. <laughs> but you can join us every weeknight, Monday through Friday. It's an incredible journey. Right now we're in the books of First and Second Samuel, the books of Samuel Actually, and the Hebrew Scriptures. Actually, we're only doing like – First two chapters of Second Samuel. Yeah, but they are originally the same book, right? They are. So, so fact, we're reading uh, the, the books book of Kings Samuel. was in probably all of them. Chronicles, all of them. But okay, so we're right now we're in the book uh, books of uh, First and Second Samuel. Uh, you can join us every weeknight nine thirty. It's a great, great read. I'll give you a little bit of a context. I'll tell you where this we are Monday through Friday. Tell you where we are in the scripture, and then. And then uh, we'll let you hear the Bible. And you can uh, join with us as we make our way uh, through the Scriptures every year. 
and uh, it'll it'll change your life. I tell you, it'll it'll free you, liberate you, set you free. You you'll enjoy it so much to come into that confident, secure relationship with the God of wow. the Bible. And now that's, during the week, they can't call in, can I? No, during the week it's just the reading program. But here Sunday evenings, that's why we're here. Jacob and I are in the house to take your phone calls, your questions, your thoughts, your impressions. But you said if they listen to it, they hear the whole Bible uh, every year, mm-hmm. uh, and it sets them free. Right? It does, yeah. And if they order now, they also get the combination hearing aid, <laughs> Vegematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we were talking, folks, before we came on the air. We were just talking. I had, I I, I told Jacob, I had a thought. I have a thought this week. I had a, a kind of a, I don't know, for me, a kind of a, what do you call those when you, you your eyes are open and you see something, epiphany, or uh, I had a, a, a an eye-opening you know, experience. I was thinking about, you know, we've been talking the last couple Some of weeks. Some of us call it coffee. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about this the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about um, the, the movies that came to town and right. about the uh, the writing of the book of, of Genesis, um, Moses' authorship of the, uh, of the Tanakh, of the Torah, uh, of the, I'm sorry, the Pentateuch, of the Torah. And uh, the, I hope some of you got to get out to see that great movie about um, the credibility and the, and the the historicity, the accuracy of that particular idea that, that Moses indeed did write the, the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and um, it very very great um, defense of the message of the scriptures and of the of the text that we have. But I was thinking about that, and I was wondering, okay, now some people are trying to say that. That people just made up the Bible. They just made it up. You know, and uh, uh, now remember, this is 66 different books written over a period of 1,500 years. What's that, about 40, 40, 45 generations of people written during times of war, times of peace, times of plenty, times of famine, uh, every conceivable situation. Uh, and and context, you know. So it's not like one little group, and they did it for this one period. You know how things can change over forty, fifty years, sixty years. Just change of leadership, change of people, change of context and, and setting. So this book is written in a very, and yet there is this incredible harmony and one this this harmony of the book. Over 1,600 years by 40 different authors. And uh, so all of that is in, in, in the first place. There's this harmony in this message. So I was thinking my, the question that came to my mind was, why would anybody do that, Jacob? Why would – if they say that – if they say that, so, oh, they just made it up. They just wrote it. They put it down. Now, we know that the writers of the New Testament, all they had to do was say – Oh, it's a false. We 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 made it up. We just you know, and they could have lived, but then you know they were all died death of martyrdom, and they were persecuted and chased. So there was nothing in it for them in that sense. And frankly, there's there's really not even anything. Why would somebody do that? Because usually, when you want to make up a book, or you want to make up some a, a system or um, a a a a religion or something like that uh you you're make, like like facebook or you're making up one, you're creating this thing what are you doing you make you're trying to make money 
You're trying to get people. You're try, trying to empower yourself over people. You're trying if you're going to make up a religion. You know, you, you want people to come into religion and put money in the offering plates and 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 have to look to you for dependence to go and get your sins forgiven. And you know, you've got to do follow the rules we made. And so, and, and yet the message of the scriptures is just the opposite. It doesn't obligate you to anyone. The whole idea is that you can enjoy a personal oneness relationship with the true and living God, and it's nothing, no one in between you and him. There's no other mediator besides Jesus himself, the, the Savior, the mediator. And so I, it, it isn't like it empowered them over people. It didn't get any money for them. They didn't. So in my thoughts, I thought, well, there's there's no motivation for that. You know, the people that say the Old Testament, written by all these people, why would they, why would the Old Testament people do that? I, I mean, I don't know if that thought ever occurred to you, the motivation. When people in your, you well, go to I, a uh, I Jewish think, meeting and they say uh, they made it all up, JPD yeah. and all that. Yeah. Why you would mean, they do you that? You mean when they're not discussing politics? Yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it's the same issue with Jesus that you would have with the, as mm-hmm. you say, the Old mm-hmm. Testament or the mm-hmm. Tanakh, it's because the Jews didn't allow from their theology to have a human king or to have a replacement king. So kings of Egypt and Pharaoh and everybody and Abimelech, they couldn't have that. So the same thing would happen. That's why Christians, as I understand it, were so despised during the Roman times because Caesar was their god. That's right. So they wouldn't and so they couldn't have another king. That would be rebellion. Mm-hmm. And of course in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, they uh, they only had one king, that being God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a lot of rules that go with that. But they couldn't have it, but if some other nation came along or a conquering nation in fact, we're going to look at something very mm-hmm. interesting tonight. That's what we're talking about. Um, isn't it? That uh, they they would not be acceptable because you, they said, "No, we're your king, we're your god." So I think well, it's the you same know what issue. set me off on this line of thinking is what you said last week. You said that very thing. You talked about the fact that you you pointed out in the scriptures where where God says they haven't rejected you, Samuel. Yeah, they've rejected me. Right. Because they wanted a king. They wanted a king. Yeah, give us yeah. a king. You know, and Samuel warned them about what a yeah. king would do. Yeah, and all. that would be chapter eight of first. Samuel. Yeah, and and so uh, that that kind of set me out to thinking about well, if someone did, there'd be nothing in it for them. There's no power. There's no influence. There's no wealth and riches. You're sharing a message. And first, and secondly, not only are you sharing a message that doesn't make people dependent on you, you're sharing a message. It's a hard message. It's not like you know, uh, you know, do this and you're going to get everything you want. It's a message of sacrifice. It's a message of denying yourself, mm-hmm. your own selfish thoughts and wants and desires, and living for the to bless God, to be you know the you know to praise and honor God with your life, to serve other people and love other people. It, you're pouring out your life in service and, and to others. It's not a it's not a particular religion that you know you. It's it's a religion of self denial. Deny yourself. You don't don't follow your own selfish uh, desires, and it, it just doesn't make sense that someone would make it up. You know, nobody nobody profits from it, and from a human point of view, that's just that's just not done. So you got the regular historic test of the passages that we could look at, and and you can demonstrate rather convincingly, I think, compellingly that this book 
is written by who it says it's written by. It's written when it was written by. You've got those miracles. You've got those prophecies. You've got uh, – there's all the, the regular historic tests that you can apply to any test, to any document of antiquity. And then you ask the question, who profits? And, and it just takes away that entire argument about uh, oh, a whole bunch of people just got together and wrote it so that now now don't get me wrong there are religious systems in our world and some of them call themselves christian there are some religious systems that do empower themselves over people and obligate people to follow them and obey them and give them money and so on now that does happen but that's not the teaching of the scriptures themselves the scriptures themselves put you into a, a relationship, a confident, secure relationship with God that you're not dependent on any other human being to do. And, and that, that's, that's thrilling and exciting. C.S. Lewis, I remember uh, in this context, I remember the saying of his when he was talking about the Bible. He said that it's not a book that someone could write. If, uh, no, no, he said if someone could write it, they wouldn't. In other words, if they had the capability of that kind of selflessness and that kind of – if they could make it up, that kind of a book, they wouldn't. But if they would, in other words, they would like to and they would want to put it together, they couldn't. And uh, you've said that many times. Whoever wrote this book really knew what they were doing, you say. And uh, because it's just – it's impossible that human beings – Maybe if it was one guy who just took his whole life, you know, I don't know, trying to do this. But 40 different authors, 1,500 years, I mean, and this comes out of it, you know, it's it's just so un... It's almost unthinkable. Uh, if, if they could write it, they wouldn't. If they would write it, they couldn't. Well, and, actually, uh, it makes sense to me. May I suggest that maybe longer than 1,500 years. Mm-hmm. According to the Bible, the biblical calendar is, this is the year 5,779. Mm-hmm. So it's been, according to the Bible, that's uh, 5,779. Right. So it covers that time. much time, but I, I guess what I'm referring to is that we think that Moses wrote uh, – you know, the, the first books in, in about 1500 B.C., I'm, I'm rounding it off there. Uh, actually, 2400. Uh, well, you're going on another calendar. No, no, actually, from where we're at, going back. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah. But but then it ended in the first century. So that's where you get the, the idea of 1500 years. From 1450 to the end of the first century. Okay. That's about 1500 years when Why when the books were written. Sure. Why not? Okay, I'm trying to. I'm trying to explain. Yeah, you're, my... you're doing fine. You're working on that bottle too. Yeah, I'm trying to get oh, this bottle. I, when I say working on the bottle, I mean he's trying to open. It's a this... bottle of water, folks. It's, a... it's not. It's kind of, not the kind of bottle. It's not the kind of bottle you would normally uh, hear someone talk about. Like, okay, yeah, thank you listen, very much. We have a we have a caller, don't yeah, we? Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get this uh, this lady Ruth on the line. See see what's on her mind. Let's do. Let's do that. Why don't you? Going and I'm have a sip of here. I'm here. Hi, Ruth. How are you this evening? I'm just fine, thank you. Sure, glad to hear I, from you. Thank you. I think you pretty much touched on what I was going to say, and I think um, proof positive that God wrote the Bible instead of man is no man since Adam and Eve would um, tie himself down to marriage or tie him down to um, just one woman. You know, that's not the sort of thing that a man's going to do. Yeah. He's writing it. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that, what you I'm had saying. sort of touched it, base with that. Yeah, that's what I'd call in, but you beat me to it. Oh, no, that's anyway. really good. That's a, great, that's a great 
actual real practical example of what I'm talking about. It, it calls right. upon us for a life of sacrifice, a life of, of morality and ethics and treating people right. And, and, you know, we just, it isn't the kind of book that someone would, would if he could. could. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I heard that too. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, that was it. Thank you, Ruth. Right. Off good you're, to hear from you're you. You're very welcome. Bless you okay. and your family. All right. Bye bye. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, good. That, okay, uh, so let's give a. If Ruth minutes. agrees, it's got to be a good thought. Yeah, right sure. now? Huh? What'd you say? If Ruth agrees with me, it's uh, got to be a worthy thought. I'm sure of that. Well, I that could. How could I disagree? That's right. Uh, but let's go ahead and give like a two minute synopsis of. Well, since you're talking about how many. Samuel? Well, no. how we got to Samuel. So oh, okay, go. Joshua goes into the land. Moses okay. has died. Uh-huh. Moses wasn't allowed to cross. But he goes up on a mountain. What was that mountain? It was Mount Picos. What was the name of that mountain? Come on, you know it. Mm, I think I better let you run with this. Because uh, I was going somewhere else. Oh, oh no, no. I was just curious. Uh, it was a detail. You said he went up on a mountain. I'm yeah, he went up oh. on a mountain. God said, you, you know, you can, you can look, but mm. you, you can't touch. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you, but you can't cross over. Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, one of the interesting questions is, but the Hebrew is in the future tense. So a lot of Hebrew scholars will say, well, what he was seeing was the entire future of Israel. Mm. It's not just you can't go. He says, but let, I'll let you see it. But those words are all like in the future tense. Isn't that interesting? It is. It is interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so but then we got that. So he doesn't cross over. I believe that he did not complete his mission. That's why he couldn't cross over. In other words, you're saying what God said to him is that you're going to you can see the land right. as it's going to be. The entire that idea? the entire future of Israel. Wow. Uh, that's what some scholars believe because of the way the language is written. Maybe that's why Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus to kind of fill him in on what's coming up. Well, that <laughs> that, that could be, or maybe he left a shopping cart. I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, at any rate, <laughs> at any rate, um, I always thought H E B was a Jewish store. Then I found out it doesn't stand for Heb. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Howard E. I know. We okay, all know. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So, all right. Uh, all right. So here, then, uh, so he didn't cross over. Joshua took him over. They had struggles in the land. We had the book of Joshua. Uh, of course, Joshua also sent some spies. We know about that. Mm-hmm. Probably a better word is uh, emissaries. Emissaries. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, we have the unfortunate book of Judges. And we all know that things did not go well with these judges because they all were, we have twelve judges, and twelve judges talked mm-hmm. about, and none of them really do what they're supposed to do. So after except the, the woman, or does she mess up too? Which which one? Deborah. Make? Oh yeah, Deborah killed the bad guy. Yeah. But did she, did she make? Are there some mistakes no, found I, in I, her story? I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't recall the mistakes okay, she made. Okay, just wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. So that kind of then brings us up to the book of Samuel. And remember Hannah, she mm-hmm. wanted to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So she goes and sees who evidently was still a very religious priest. And he did a little bit of prophecy there. Eli, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he had a couple of boys that did not follow the correct path. That's right. But Samuel, the, the live-in child, did. 
And that's where Samuel came from. Because Hannah promised that if you'd give me a son, Lord, I'll, I'll dedicate him to your service. So uh-huh. when he was, I don't know how old, she took him to Eli, and Samuel served as Eli's servant there at the uh, tabernacle. And he grew up uh, serving there, and, and God spoke to him. We have that incident of God right. speaking to Samuel when he was how old? Do you remember? Uh, he was little. Yeah. Because he got up and kept saying, hey, uh, here I am. What do you want for it? And they, there's a famous song in the Christian world about, here I am, Lord. You know, Sin, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, anyway, but, so anyway, so we get Samuel. Now Samuel obviously grows up. Now he's not a Levite, right? No, no he's not, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we know that the Levites were des- designated as the priests, you might say, uh, back in the five books in the Torah. Right. So, but then they ask for a king. And that kind of brings us up to date. And God says to Samuel, tell them that they can have the king, but tell them what's going to happen. He appoints Saul. Saul is from what tribe? Benjamin. You have got it right again. May I just (laughs) give you an applause? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me give myself an uh, Let me give myself a. Oops, it didn't work. Shoot. There you go. That's the I end think, of my applause. Yeah, that was the end of it, yeah. Uh, I, in the sense of that particular one, not forever. Okay, but <laughs> right. I want to show you something. Okay. Have you happened to have a Bible with you? I do. I, oh, yes. What? A, I put it over here on the uh, table. Okay. Yes, right here well, in front of me now. You want me to go to the book of... bottle and you put the Bible behind you. <laughs> <laughs> the book of First Samuel or Second Samuel? Oh, no, the one we're doing tonight is first. Okay, First Samuel. Tonight we're actually covering our readings this last week covered uh Psalm Psalms fifty six through sixty and first Samuel fourteen through second Samuel two twenty nine. Right. So that's Okay. What. So we're gonna do we got a couple chapters of Second Samuel, but primarily it's first Samuel, right? Yes. But okay. you're backing up and giving us the context uh, well, of the book. We're we're in the context. Now yeah. I ask you a question, what tribe was he from? Benjamin, yes. Yes, and you got it right. So now, there's something very interesting that takes place. Would you be kind enough to turn to chapter 22 in your Bible? Which one? First First or second? I guess first. We're only doing first. You're right. You're right. Yeah. First Samuel 22. Okay, I'm there. Now, we know that Saul, he had decided he didn't like David. He wanted to do a lot of bad things to him. He wanted to do anything. Sure, yeah. So. They had a strange relationship, didn't they? Well. I mean. He kind of. It's not so strange. David, Saul, Saul, David killed Goliath, and so that got him. I guess that brought him to Saul's attention. And Saul started using him as a musician, started using him as a servant. He joined and his then personal. And what he said, I could, whoever kills Goliath can marry my daughter. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Michael. And so, so what happened is David won. Well, he didn't want that little shepherd boy to be his son-in-law, so he gave him a task that was almost impossible, which was? 200 Philistines. Yes, 400. 400, you're absolutely right. 400 Philistines. He had to uh, kill them, Uh, of course, and... And circumcise them. Bring the the foreskins back. Yeah, And then they counted each one individually. A gruesome job. But the point is, you're not going to be able to get away with that unless you kill them. Because nobody's going to volunteer. Sure, let me give you a wedding gift. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that he, what did he do? He learned that he thought he's going to get David killed. He didn't. But David actually applied that lesson later. You know, with Uriah, send somebody. 
send somebody out to get them killed. So he learned that lesson. Mm, my lens, that's a scary thought, actually. Now, wait, ab- about that, though, uh, why do you think Saul brought David into his service? Is it the old idea of keeping your friends close and your enemies even closer? Was he kind of— No, he couldn't get anybody to go out and fight Goliath. By the way, yeah, that, interesting, interesting but, fact. Uh-huh. Where that's at, that's there's, there's two like two mountains on each side. Both armies are facing each other. In the middle, there's a beautifully green village, or, or a field, I should say. Uh-huh. And the idea is that when an attacking army could go across that field, they could go up on the mountains where the Jews were and divide Israel in half. It was a strategy, you mm-hmm. see. So what happened is they take Goliath out there. An interesting passage because they said he was led out there by mm-hmm. a, a lad. Now you wonder, why does he have to be led? At any rate, uh-huh. when uh, when David comes down, you know, he turned down wearing armor and all the rest of uh-huh. it. So Saul, Saul was, offered him his yeah, armor. Yeah, he turned but, him everything yeah. down. So he goes out there, and all he brings is a sling. Mm-hmm. Now this is not a kid's slingshot. Uh, we, these things were deadly, deadly weapons. In fact, we know from ancient tapestries that these people that were experts with slings could kill at up to 200 meters. So this is not a a kid's toy. And David was a shepherd, so I assume he had a lot of practice, right, out there watching these sheep wandering. He He said he killed a lion and a bear, Uh and I assume he probably injured a whole bunch of sheep practicing. Yeah. But all right, but so it goes out there. Now let me tell you how fat. Now the rocks, the stones in that particular is a different kind of stone. Uh-huh. It's like twice as dense as a regular stone. So he takes that stone, he puts it in a sling. When the sling gets spinning, it actually goes around five, six times per second. Whoa. Yeah. So then you let go one side and if you and it's very accurate. And it went across, of course it went right into Goliath's skull. Uh-huh. Killed him. Now, what's interesting about that is what David actually killed him with was a forty-five bullet, because that traveling at that speed, as close as they were, that would have the impact in today's world of a forty-five bullet. Isn't that interesting? That so is that, interesting. You could blow a guy's head off of that. That's a detail that I I had not come upon. Uh, oh, you know, go ahead, take another drink of the water. <laughs> Anyway, so, but what I want to say, I ask you a question: What tribalism? So Saul starts getting very neurotic. He he, really, he wasn't an Apache. I knew that for sure. But he, well, but he, was, right. a he was not he was from a the tribe of Apaches. No. However, there's something interesting. So he starts getting worried. He hates everybody. Mm-hmm. He starts suspecting everybody of betraying him. And he wants his son Jonathan to be his oh, successor. Yeah. That's yeah. the heir. In fact, there was for a period of two years after Saul's death. Some people declared his son Jonathan, or no, right. not Jonathan, the other no, son. No, no, Jonathan was killed, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he called, they declared him the— The one with the funny, hard-to-pronounce name. Yes, but he was actually designated as king by several of the twins. That's right. Oh, no, I'm here. I never you got the trophy. I never got the one I wanted to get to. Well, you're going to get to it after we come back, right? Well, I don't know. It depends on— So that'll make everybody want to stay on this station when we go to this very, very brief— Get some but popcorn. very interesting break. Go to the popcorn. Get and, to go to the and that'll make back. them want to come back to hear what you, what Jacob uh, was yeah. going to yeah, say. You're going to love this. I I know I am. I always love everything you share with us. So uh, we are going to take a break, folks. Thanks for being with us. This is the Bible Live with Soapy and Jacob here, and you can call in three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's area code two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. We'll be right back. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Not all rewards are immediate or visible. It's good to have you here for another daily encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading is titled, The Blessing is Coming, and it was written by Julie Schwab. A friend and I went for a walk with her grandkids. While pushing the stroller, she commented that her steps were being wasted. They weren't being counted on the activity tracker she wore on her wrist because she wasn't swinging her arm. I reminded her that those steps were still helping her physical health. Yeah, she laughed, but I really want that electronic gold star. I understand how she feels. Working towards something without immediate results is disheartening. But rewards aren't always immediate or immediately visible. When that's the case, it's easy to feel that the good things we do are useless, even helping a friend or being kind to a stranger. Paul explained to the church in Galatia, however, that a man reaps what he sows. But we must not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Doing good isn't the way to gain salvation, and the text doesn't specify whether what we reap will be now or in heaven, but we can be assured that there will be a harvest of blessing. Doing good is difficult, especially when we don't see or know what the harvest will be. But as with my friend who still gained the physical benefit from walking, it's worth continuing to do good because the blessing is coming. You'll find more helpful tools and resources when you download the Our Daily Bread mobile app. Go to getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Middle of the night or middle of the day, you'll hear messages of God's Word from national and local hosts you know and trust all day, every day on AM 630 The Word and now through your Alexa device. More at am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. After six long years, the Jonas Brothers are back together making music again. And the fans are happy. So much so that they sent the group's newly released single, Sucker, rocketing to a number one debut. This comeback track features an infectious pop vibe, giving each brother a chance to sing about the leading lady in his life. Don't complicate catchy love song isn't perfect, there's a bit of innuendo, and some behavior on the video that isn't squeaky clean. But I'm happy to say that it avoids the kinds of really explicit content and images that are so prevalent in pop music today. For a full review, check out PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. 
Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. I come before you today And there's just one thing that I want to say Thank you, Lord Thank you, Lord For all you've given to me For all the blessings that I can you're listening to God's talk show, The Bible Live. If you need to talk, what did tonight? Thank you, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with an outstretched arm, I will bless your name. All right, we are back. Thank you, Lord. Great, great song. Good song choice, John. Good oh, boy. Oh, is that right? Good I was job. just giving him grief about it. Oh, well, you really? I liked it. It's pretty oh, good. Okay, oh, well, song of I'm praise wrong. and thanksgiving. It's two to one, I lose. <laughs> oh, unless we hate. Unless We're ganging up on you, right? College count. Well, we are back, and this is the Bible Live, the quiz show. You can uh, call in, ask questions, uh, answer questions. Give us your opinion, your thoughts. As uh, Can I call in and express to, an idea? Now, yes, you may, please. All right. uh, we're looking at the books of First and Second Samuel, and Jacob was about to explain yes, to I us. Was. You were going to explain something about this King Saul, okay, the first I king ask of you Israel. What tribe is he from? And I said he's, Benjamin. Yes, and you were right, right, right. Mm-hmm. In fact, I must say that um, he's getting so neurotic. If you catch the story, of what's going on? Uh-huh. He is getting so neurotic. That he he thinks Israel's turning him against them. They got this slogan: "David killed his tens of thousands." Uh-huh. So he knows Saul killed his thousands. Sure, David is tens know that. of thousands. So he's getting paranoid. Paranoid is the word. So take a look at verse twenty-two uh, seven. Yeah, he says. Uh, Somehow, let me say, one day the prophet Gad, Gad told David, leave the stronghold, return to the land of Judah. So David went to the forest of Hereth. So anyway, David comes back into the region, and Saul hears about it, and it reaches Saul. At the time, the king was sitting beneath the tamarisk tree at the hill of Gibeah, holding his spear and surrounded by his officers. And then he says this to his officers. Verse Listen seven. here, verse 7. 22.7. Listen here, you men of Benjamin, Saul shouted to his officers when he heard the news. Has that son of Jesse promised every one of you fields and vineyards? Has he promised to make you all generals and captains in his army? Is that why you have conspired against me? For not one of you told me when my own son made a solemn pact with the son of Jesse. You're not even sorry for me. Think of it, my own son encouraging him to kill me as he is trying to do this very day. Now look, what's going wow. on. He has become so paranoid, he thinks his own tribe, Benjamin, has turned on him. So this is the deterioration that's going on. And then Doeg, the Edomite, who wait, was standing wait, there. That's our next thing oh, we're going to go Okay, to. go, 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 yeah. So, I, I didn't know you were headed that direction. Well, yes, I Yeah. Okay, so now. He says, so he gets pretty mad. Mm-hmm. And what does Saul want his people to do? Look at verse, uh, well, first of all, well, I'll tell you, you like to read. Well, he asked them to kill the priest, right? Right. But look, look at the priest's response in verse 11 and 12. 
Yeah, he says, uh, uh, what is it, my king? Ahimelech, is that the, uh, is that the priest? Sure, sure. So King Saul immediately sent for Ahimelech, the priest, and his family, who served as priests at, at uh, Nob, or Nob. When they arrived, he shouted, listen to me, you son of uh, Ahitub. What is it, my king? Ahimelech asked. Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? Why did you give him food and a sword? Is that what yours says? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I'm just reading. You know what the literal translation is? He says, listen, you son of Ahitub. And the priest said. What is it? Yeah. No, he says, here, I am Lord. Uh Uh-huh. So he challenges Saul. He's saying, on this property, I'm Lord, not you. Oh, he didn't say, here I am, Lord. No, he like says, here, he says I am. here I am, Lord. He's challenging Saul. Mm-hmm. And then Saul says, why have you conspired against me? So he thinks his own people, his own tribe, the priest, because they had given the, a sword to David, mm-hmm. right? Why did you give him food and a sword? Remember, the uh, he gave him the showbread from the, the uh, tabernacle, actually, right? And the, and and gave him the sword that he had used to kill Goliath. Look at verse, still there. Now let's jump to 17. For uh-huh, Tom, uh-huh. Look what happened. Then he, Saul, he, Saul, ordered the runners who stood by him, go around and kill the priest of God. Whew. Now, that's interesting. That's very important. For they are allies and conspirators with the... He's got his own uh, investigation done here about yes. being a co- conspirator. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Humphrey, Collusion. Bogart, Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, who ate the strawberries? Collusion. So, there you go. <laughs> so, but the servants of the king did not dare harm the priest of God. But now, look at verse 18. That's what you started to go to. That's why I wanted to stop you for a second. 18. But Saul's men refused to kill. Is that what you said? Uh, well, verse after that, yeah. Uh, Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priests. They wouldn't do it, the Benjamins, even though they're of his tribe. So then the king says to this guy named Doeg, which is one of his officers as well, an Edomite. What does that say about Saul, that he would even have an Edomite as an officer? Could he be a convert? This No, he wouldn't be a convert because he turns around and kills the priests. Well, that's what I'm saying is what happened is the priest, the men of the tribe of Benjamin, refused to kill the priest. Right. This Edomite that was a servant of Saul's uh-huh. killed the priest. He uh, killed them, 85 priests in all, still wearing their priestly garments. Then he went to the town, uh, Nob, the town of the priests, and he killed the priest's families, men and women, children and babies, all the cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats. Wow, this guy was a brute. No. This and it's an Edomite. It, what does that say? I mean, that kind of says something about Saul, doesn't it? The it does. The kind it of does. person he was. And and when we go, we compare that shortly to when David would not kill the king because mm-hmm. he was the anointed of God. So you have this contrast going on. And I, I'm actually setting the stage for getting to the witch. And if anybody uh-huh. would like to call in, uh, I do have a question. What famous TV show actually had the name of this witch in the famous TV show. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, do not be Yeah, good. 210-340-9585. Well, that's our phone number, yeah. What was the name of the priest? The, 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 no, the, the witch. That, uh, I, I tell you, Saul, just from the po- passages you've pointed us to tonight, 
I'm getting more and more of a clear view of how this guy That's was why really neurotic, extremely like paranoid. Something really wrong. Yeah. So he kills him. Of course, David won't even kill him because he's anointed. But I had never noticed the, de- uh, the doing. I knew he was an Edomite, but I, all of a sudden it occurs to me that why would he have a, an Edomite? Well, because as his servant there's nothing the, but, wrong with all. No, no, if they're converts. But yeah. obviously he, he's not a convert. He couldn't do this if he was a, uh, right. Yes. Okay. So but he was uh, not obviously a convert. Mm-hmm. He was a mercenary, you might say. Mm-hmm. So at any rate. Wow. Oh. Uh, guess what? Uh, uh, someone's got an answer. That's what John's telling us. Okay. What All line right. is that? Uh, he says it's on that line. Same line yeah. one. Whatever. You got the sheet of paper up there for me? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, he's, John's got it. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if she knows the answer. Who is it, John? Oh, it's Ruth. Yeah, she called me. Yes. She's got the answer. I'm, She's. I'm just, well, I'm guessing because I really don't know because I only saw that show once or twice. But she, but she I saw think it the, might be the TV show. Tabitha. That was Tabitha? The, Tabitha was the daughter. Oh, okay. Never mind. Actually, I don't know. I the granddaughter. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right, oh. Ruth. Tabitha so was he, the granddaughter of the witch on this TV program. For, yes. What was the grandmother of Tabitha's name? Oh, I have no idea. I like to say it only saw it once or twice. Well, I didn't see the show often at all. Those, when you watch that TV, you got to pay attention, Ruth. You know? yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> what, 50 years ago? Oh, you tried. Well, good try, though. Okay. That, you got somebody thinking along the right path, I'm yeah. sure. Okay, sounds good. You got the right, right show. It was Tabitha's grandma. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say the name. We're going to have somebody else call in, right? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so, so, so some very interesting things are going on. Well, we it's know in our, chapter what? Maybe that would give him a hint uh-huh. where to look for it. Possibly. Um, and we know that... Uh, okay, let's go to chapter... Chapter 28 uh, is 28. where you find the witch's name. 28 is where you have the witch's name. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be very interesting. And people are free to disagree with one Now, I'm Ruth did have the right program, right? What's that? She had the right program. I think I said that to her. I said you got oh, the program, Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay. it was the grandmother, not the mother, and not the daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. So it was the grandma of the baby Tabitha. Mm-hmm. And who's Tabitha? Where does it come from? It's actually. Oh, that's the New Testament. There you go. I was going to say, it's uh, on your side of the Bible. Sweet little Tabitha. I like that story. Uh, anyway, where are we doing now? What, well, okay, let's go to 28. Let's chapter 28. Now, we've got some really serious stuff going on. We've got David, who's he's been the. There's, Saul's trying to set him up to get killed. He he hates him. He gets through all that. David could. He's kill even him. trying to kill him himself. He threw a sword spear at him. At him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he set him out to f- kill four hundred guys, and he keeps winning. And he thought he would be killed doing that, but sure. it, you know, mm-hmm. so now and now we everybody's and he even turns against his own tribe. He thinks his tribe is betraying. Him. He mm-hmm. orders the killing of all these priests. Wow. Yet David is so respectful of the anointing of God uh-huh. that he did not tell him. I mean, he did not kill him, I should say. And he had it, it twice. He had two chances to kill him, uh, David did. But in each case, he did not do it. Chapter 24, mm-hmm. and then in chapter, I guess it is, 26, 20, 26 yeah. Mm-hmm. David spares Saul again. So, uh, so yeah, David has a chance, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, he get he catches Saul in one of the most uh, vulnerable 
places they could. As you say in your question number, uh, tw- you know, you're number 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, your question is, David was hiding from Saul in the caves of and Jedi. Do you recognize the name Jedi? From Jedi, I do. Ah, Return I of the Jedi. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he, had a, he had a clear chance, as your question says, to kill Saul. Uh-huh. Well, Saul went in there into the cave. Why did he go into the cave? Why? Why? I think he went in to uh, relieve himself, he right? He did. He went to go potty. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he would have been entirely, you might say, in David's hands. Vulnerable, yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah. And so but David didn't kill him. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Now look at the contrast. David has a chance to, obviously Saul's a, he's a nut. He's a mean guy. He's sponsored murder. Uh, yet... Saul, but David has trying to distinguish between the anointment of God uh-huh. and the acts of the bad person. That's interesting. Yes. Uh, does that have any application today? Like, the, like, like we have presidents. You know, he's not a king, but he's a president. And is that the idea of respecting the office as opposed yeah, to the individual? Sure. And so David would not do it because, and we know later when a so-called Amalekite comes along, because uh-huh. this because they're right. defeated, Saul commits suicide. But the Amalekite lies and takes, tries to take credit for it, because he David, thinks David is going to give him an award. You know, you killed uh, Saul. My that's right. he thinks that, but he doesn't. He but kills he doesn't. him instead. Because what does David say to him? He says, "You have you that's... had the 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 where for all to lay your hand on God's anointed." So the anointing is special to David. Uh, the killing the priest was special. We also know that even the men of Benjamin thought that the anointment of God on the priest was special. So that the anointment is something separate from the evil acts of the person. So you might say the office versus the man. Mm-hmm. Now, but this is interesting. I'd like to spend a little time on this witch. Okay. And by the way, we did have a winner. Somebody just contacted us. That doesn't want to go on the air, I guess. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the name is Endora. Endora. That TV. was the grandmother of Tabitha. That is correct. Uh, on Bewitched. And that's right. Yeah. And Endor is where Saul went to see the witch. Uh-huh. Right? So. Yes. Now, there's something very interesting. Let's take a look at this, maybe. Yeah, please do, because I have a curiosity about There seems to be a lot of controversy about this encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not a controversy, I wouldn't say, but some people are kind of trying to interpret it. I've, I've always a... told you that we we Gentiles, no. we just read the story, what we have. He shows up in English. We just read it, and we just take it at face value. And it seems to, when you do that, it, it seems to show here that, I mean, this ghost shows up. And, you know, it's supposedly – is it Samuel himself? Yeah, it, well, Samuel. we're going to figure that out. Let's, has has let's, Samuel died? You know, what's that? Samuel has died well, before this, right? thank you for bringing that up. That's but, important. Before we do that, do you still have that Bible? Uh, I do. Would right you right here be good my... enough to look at Deuteronomy 18.11? Deuteronomy? Wow, we're really going back Well, here. that's where the rules are. You know? Oh, okay. Deuteronomy 18. Uh-huh. Hang on. I'm getting there. Deuteronomy 18. It should be 1811 in your Bible. All right. I'm looking for it. I'm going to find it. I know you are. It's uh, the fifth book, you know. (laughs) I didn't have to go to the table of contents. I found it. 1811 says, uh, 
Never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Do not let people practice fortune-telling or use a sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Now, does that mean that there's actually such a thing? The answer is no. The harm of it is they mislead people. The nations you are about to displace uh-huh. consult sorcerers and yes. fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such there things. There you go. So we got Saul. He's going to be doing something that was absolutely forbidden. It's also forbidden in Leviticus 19.3. You can look it up if you want to. You don't have to. But Well, that's all right. I, I, I like to read the scriptures. 19.3. Uh, it says, do uh, do not put your trust in idols or make metal images. Three, I, I three, meant, three, no, I'm three. sorry, I meant, I meant 1931. Oh, oh, okay. That was a very good year, 1931. Let me see. Uh, I don't know about it was before. Here we go. 1931 says, uh, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. That consulting the spirits of the dead. Mm-hmm. Seances. Yeah, wasn't that in part why they killed the children, why they burned their children? That's why in Deuter- I had to read Deuteronomy first, because uh-huh. Deuteronomy says don't sacrifice your children to this, because it was associated with this practice, the killing of children. Mm-hmm. Now, but above and beyond that, there's also another practice, which I'm going to show you, and it's right there in your Bible, mm-hmm. except it's one of those euphemisms, because uh, in Hebrew, they really did not have vulgar words or cuss words. They have to borrow it from other languages. Mm-hmm. They had terms that would be, be suggestive of it, but they didn't have those words. Okay, but you ask a question first of all. Samuel had died, right? Yes. Well, look at 28, verse 3. Okay. First Samuel, back at 28. Back at chapter 28. This is interesting. Verse 3. Here it is. First uh, Samuel 28, 3 says... Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. That was usually like a 30-day time of mourning, right? He was buried in Ramah, his hometown, and Saul had banned from the land of Israel all mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. So Saul had already... Well, Saul did it, but now let me give you the translation. Banned and banished. Uh Uh, But using mediums, et cetera, et cetera. Uh Actually... Don't worry about the Hebrew, but the Hebrew is ovath and yedominim. Okay. Don't worry about the Hebrew. All right. That's what you and I today would call ventriloquism. Ah. It's starting to fall together for us Mm -hmm. a little bit. So if it's fake, they would take this bone. They had a practice. They had to put like a bone under their tongue, Mm -hmm. and they would actually cast their voice. And they'd try to sound like. Somebody they're conjuring up. So he was at, so this is actually the mediums, they didn't exist. Um, now, somebody that wants to think he, Samuel's really conjured, I'm, I'm respectful of that, but I'm going to suggest something else. Uh, that there, those, the harm those people did from ancient Jewish teaching is they would mislead people. Well, sure, yeah. And, and do harm by misleading them. So, anyway, so, it's a way, it's a way that they do today. <laughs> These mediums and these fortune tellers. Now, 
The lady who saved me off when I was a baby, who took me in and saved me when I was a newborn baby, she was a fortune teller. Crystal ball, tarot cards, palm reading, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I, I remember a little bit about that. Okay. You know, well, so but that's, we got right there. That's what they in, do. They in, deceive people. They do. And 28.3 uh-huh. says Samuel's died. But now why is that interesting? Because earlier we know for sure in chapter 25, verse 1, Samuel died. Uh-huh, right, okay. Now, when they came to, and they said, uh, and it says, they lamented for him. They buried him in his hometown of Ra- Rama. Rama. Mm-hmm. Now, who else is in the town of Rama? Oh, my goodness, the town of Rama. Would that be, say, 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 say. no, that's Samuel. We're talking about Samuel. The town of Rama. Uh this I, I don't know. Well, this is in the general area of the Witch of Endor. Oh, is that right? So she knew about it. See, it clearly tells us he's dead in 25. Yep. 28, it re- rehearses it again, so we all understand. All Israel uh, lamented. Uh-huh, I see. So we know he's dead, and they want to make sure you catch that he's dead. And that she's from his she, town. Yeah, and all Israel knows he's dead. So mm-hmm. this is not a surprise, right? All right, so. Now, something very, very, very interesting. They would take, as I say, they took a bone uh-huh. from a bird, and they placed it under their tongue, and they could actually get themselves to do ventriloquism, cast their voice. Sure. And so people that would be unfamiliar with that kind of technique, they would think, oh, that person really is appearing and really talking. Let's see if we can figure out something, though. Let's take a look. Um, uh Look at uh, your verses uh, 28, 14. Well, let's do this. Um, first, if you don't mind, I know you're a good reader. Okay. okay uh, good. Which one? You are. No, you. What verse? Oh, you ask who? You or me? No, you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so look, why don't you start reading at verse 10. Okay. And uh, go all the way through when you get down to... Uh, verse 13, I really want to pause. So he's talking to this witch. He says, are you trying to get me killed? You know that Saul has outlawed all mediums and all who consult and so on. But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally, the woman said, well, those spirit, wh- whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up. <laughs> Sounds like a phone call. Call up Samuel, Saul replied. When the woman saw Samuel... She screamed, you've deceived me. You are Saul. Uh, you deceived me. You are Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? Wait. Pause. Mm-hmm. Right there. Put it on pause. Paused. Look what's happening. Okay. Uh, who do you want me to bring up? Uh, like Samuel brought up. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, Samuel it is. And then she shrieked, ah! And then Samuel uh, uh, saw. Oh, she didn't know it was Saul himself? No, hold on. Look at 13. Okay. Saul asked, so the king, that's Saul, said to her, have no fear. What did you see? That's clear that Saul did not see Samuel. Uh Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? I get it. Okay, I know you do because you're a very bright guy. I see a God coming up out of the well, earth, she let's, said. Let's pause. That's the next line I want to go to. Okay. The woman said to Saul, now the one you got says God, right? Uh-huh. I saw a God. That's actually a fairly good translation there. Great. In the Hebrew, it's a word you're familiar with, Elohim. Uh-huh. 
You recognize that from plural. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's more. Remember in the beginning of Genesis? Uh-huh. In the beginning, when Elohim created the world, dot, dot, dot. So Elohim, and where the confusion comes in in the modern reader, like a lot of translations, so people don't get confused, they don't use the word God or Elohim. They actually use the word uh, a great man. I saw a spirit. Mm-hmm. I was looking at something today from the NIV and from the New King James. They use the word I saw a spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so Elohim can mean an attribute of God, one of the attributes of God, because mm-hmm. it is plural. Ends in an M, mean plural. Secondly, it can be a great person, a leader, a judge, or it can be a per, uh, just a regular person. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of got to know context when you use the word Elohim, but I will tell you. It is plural, though, right? It Him? is, it is mm-hmm. plural. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is when your version says God, technically that's a correct translation because what it says in the Hebrew, it says, what, he says, what did you see? And she said, I saw Elohim. So if you read that and you're not really conscious, it sounds like it's not Samuel, but I saw God. Mm-hmm. But that's not God because it can be something else other than God. So, And then Paul, and Saul asked further, proving that he didn't see it, what does he look like? Yeah, so Saul go. is now, not saying this. Now you're this. getting it. So mm-hmm. Saul's letting her interpret it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So she says, what did he look like? She said, an old man wearing a cloak. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Okay, now we use the word God. So he's an old man wearing a cloak. And guess what? We are lucky because now we can stop. People <laughs> have to hang in to, to see what the answer is going to come up. All right. We're going to continue this. You're going to be surprised, folks, at the end of this. This is very interesting because we've always wondered, you know, did did Samuel actually get conjured up? Was there actually a, a spirit here or was this a ruse uh, that this, uh, this witch... Uh, pull the wool over Saul's eyes. We'll uh, we'll come back we'll and talk it about it a little. Verse fourteen. We'll pick it up when we get back. 14. Right now, though, let's take a quick break. This is the Bible Live, the Quiz Show. We are so happy you're with us. Don't go away. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. The state of Kentucky is in the historic process of passing four new pro-life laws, all of them expected to be signed by Kentucky's pro-life governor, Republican Matt Bevan. One has already been appealed. It's a law that would nearly ban abortion after about six weeks of pregnancy. The fetal heartbeat bill would protect life once a detectable heartbeat is existent. House Bill 148 would ban abortion completely in the state of Kentucky, taking effect only in the event that Roe v. Wade is reversed. Another would require physicians to tell women about certain realities of life and options available to them in the event they're considering an abortion. But in moral terms, one of the most important of these bills is the last one, House Bill 5. It would make illegal abortion based on race, gender, or the disability of a fetus. But the pro-abortion movement is fighting it with everything they have. It's a big moment for the cause of life. I'm Albert Moeller. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? 
Dennis Prager here inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour, a tour through the land of Israel in December 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Walk the ancient temple steps, sail on the Sea of Galilee, and so many more unforgettable moments. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your opportunity with expert guides and important lectures at key sites. We'll be together in the comfort and safety of luxurious accommodations the whole time. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. Make 2019 the year you go to the Holy Land. Get complete details and sign up for Stand With Israel 2019 at am630theword.com. That's am630theword.com. Middle of the day or middle of the night, you can always hear your favorite national and local ministry shows on AM630 The Word, including the Church of San Antonio show, overnights at 2 a.m. and evenings at 7.30, and Partners in Preaching weeknights at 6.30 on AM630. 630 The Word at am630theword.com. First Mortgages, Impact Mortgage Group, DBA Cash Call Mortgage, 19500 Jamboree Road, Irvine, California, 92612, NMLS 128231. Equal housing lender, not licensed in all states, including New York. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Okay, here's the deal. You're a freelancer, a hired hand, a self-made, self-owned business of one. Whether you're a contractor, creative director, or consultant, you're the boss. And that makes things easy. Unless, of course, you're trying to get a mortgage. When it comes to qualifying for a cash-out refi, gig economy workers come with more obstacles, more complexities, and more stress, right? Wrong. Dial 800-815-0745, and one of our cash-out mortgage specialists will help you qualify for the lowest interest loan possible, regardless of your source of income. It's the easiest call you'll make all day. Dial 800-815-0745. That's 800-815-0745. Make the cash call today. That's 800-815-0745. AM630theword.com. And on ChristianRadio.com. Tune in in the iHeartRadio app. AM630, The Word. KSLR, San Antonio. A division of Salem Media Group. Thoughts or questions? This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. My eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. Oh, I go to him in prayer, he knows my every care, and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us There we go. I, that's not barbershop, is it? That's a different, it's not. No, that's not Barbara Streisand, no. No, no. <laughs> Barbershop, I said. I don't think, I don't know what style that is, but I always like that old song. Let us have a little talk with Jesus. Well, we are back. That everyone. was a little more Thank like you. Christian music, John. <laughs> Thanks for joining with us. 
And we can now return to our theme. I want to return the verse Our 14. final segment. We're in the books I of First and Second Samuel. I want to show you how the scholars, ancient scholars, determine. First of all, they never believed there was such a thing as this conjuring. Okay. If people want to believe it? That's okay. I'm a big mm-hmm. boy. I can live with other people's mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. But this is, as I said, this is something called, uh, uh, the, don't worry about the Hebrew, but it's, uh, like I said, it's Ovath and Yedonim. That's now, let me ask you a question. Okay, okay. Let me ask you a question then before you kind of get into this. Now, oh, okay, so we'll just hold up on what I was going to say. Go ahead, no, then. no, no, no. You just said something that triggered a thought in my mind. You said that uh, uh, scholars, uh, Hebrew scholars, yeah. uh, didn't believe that this was a real right. uh, conjuring no. here. Uh, does that mean that they didn't believe in spirits at all? That that they. Because it made me think immediately. Then, well, in the, in the time of Jesus, there were actual there were spirits that that he that weren't the spirits of the dead. I didn't say that they didn't think there might be like evil demons and angels uh-huh. and that kind of stuff, or even spirits. But they don't believe that a person has the power to conjure and to bring back a ghost or, or to summon them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I get it. That's so let's go look at verse fourteen. Uh, what chapter we? What chapter we in? Uh, it's First Samuel, chapter 28. 28, okay, verse still there. 14. 14. Okay. Uh, what, you want to read it? I've got it right here. Yeah, I might as well participate in the show. Yeah, yeah, why don't you? I might as well participate in the program. It says the program. Show. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? I see a god coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like? He's an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realized it was Samuel, and he fell to the ground before him. Uh, Wait, wait, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a more little, I think a little more colorful language is uh, Saul knew it was Samuel. He paid him homage. He prostrated himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's another problem. You don't prostrate yourself in a spirit. But... This is where the ancient scholars said, ah, this is how the woman knew for sure it was Samuel, because who she had been requested to raise Samuel. Uh-huh. So he couldn't see it. And so what does he look like? Well, he's an old man in a robe. Uh-huh. And then the way Saul Which may have, must have been the way Samuel dressed. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> and she's not unfamiliar. She knows the, uh-huh, the, uh-huh, uh-huh. In the same area. And... Uh, and she says, you are Saul back in the 12, but then he, he prostrated himself. Uh-huh. And uh, then Samuel said to Saul. Now, Ventriloquism kicks in, right? There's where the little bird bone under the tongue kicks in. He can't see him. He can't. What's he look like? Okay. Then the voice begins from the woman. I'm trying to talk like I have a bird's. A bird bone stuck under my tongue. But he said, Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? I thought I thought Samuel. (laughs) (laughs) Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Because I'm in deep trouble, Saul says. The Philistines are at war with me, and God has left me and won't reply by my prophets or dreams, so I have called you to tell me what to do. Hmm. Okay, now. Uh, if it's true, well then, if Samuel's ghost came back, uh, that it could only be because God made it happen, or she's or she's summoning and conjuring use, using what she's, she's using ventriloquism. She sure does get it right, though, in terms of why 
why God has left uh, Saul, right? She's not unfamiliar. It says, but Samuel replied, and this is, if you're, what you're saying is true, she's, she's saying this. Why ask me she since was, the Lord casting, has left you and has become your enemy? Her voice mm-hmm. as though it came up out, out of the fire where she was conjuring. He has torn the kingdom from you and given it to your rival David. She, she's courageous enough to give him that news. The Lord has done this to you today because you refuse to carry out his fierce anger against the Malachites. And that was true. Mm-hmm. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the enemy of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow. You and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Wow. Okay, now, and um, 22, she wanted him to eat something, right? Uh, okay, so Samuel falls falls down full length on the ground, paralyzed with fright because of Samuel's words or the witch's words. He was also faint with hunger, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. So the woman saw how distraught she was. She said, "Sir, I obeyed your command at the risk of my life. Now do what I say. And let me give you a little something to eat, so now, you can why, regain well, your I'll strength." Think about this. Why is she wanting to feed him? So he can regain his strength for your trip back. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Trying to get rid well, of him. Let's see if we can get the answer in verse, uh, let's see, 23. Okay. But Saul refused the food. The men who were with him also urged him to eat, so he finally yielded and got up from the ground and sat on the couch. Wait. Okay. Yeah, there's our colloquialism. No. Yes. Sat on the couch. You got it, my friend. You know what we're talking with about? her. Yes. You know what we're talking about, right? Oh uh, yeah, of course I do. She's I'm just also trying to be very sensitive. Yeah. She's a prostitute. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's like back. Remember back example, back in the book of Genesis when. Uh, uh, Joseph uh, uh-huh, said, I can do anything right. except uh, he only watches the bread I eat. Uh-huh. Well, the bread I eat doesn't mean that I run the whole kingdom, hmm. but I cannot have a sandwich. Oh, oh, what it means is bread I eat is those who I'm romantically involved with, who I sleep with. Not whatever. his wife. That's yeah. right. So bre- those are euphemisms because in he- ancient Hebrew, they regarded it as a holy language. They didn't have vulgar terms. They didn't have Well, what is the terms. phrase uh, literally that you have in your version? Not sat you on know, the couch. Well, actually, but... it says he got up and he sat on her bed or her couch. Either one works. Uh-huh. Okay. So what that's telling you is the only reason he would do that is because she's <laughs> – uh, she's helping him. She's feeding him. Uh-huh. The, she needs to seduce him. Uh-huh. That's all. It's all taking place. It's all part of the conjuring ritual. Yeah. Well, that was rumored about the, the woman that was that I thought was my mother too. That she might have been doing more things besides just. Oh, I don't want to go there. Palm reading. So, yeah. I, I know. I it just made me, made me embarrassed. The there. woman had been fattening a calf, so she hurried out and killed it. She took some flour, kneaded into dough, baked unleavened bread. She brought the meal to Saul and his men, and they ate it. And then they went out into the night. Hmm. Yeah, now see that phrase. You know who uh, Ellie Wiesel is, the writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He won the. Uh, uh, he won the. Oh, see, a couple of prizes, I think, Nobel Prize, the mm-hmm. Pulitzer, for a book called Night. Mm-hmm. Because in this phraseology, night is evil. Mm-hmm. So that's why Delilah, we say Delilah, that's Hebrew for of the night. Of the night, yeah, woman of the night. Uh-huh. So, well, so what's happening is all the men have heard what she's been telling him. 
So they know, too, what's predicted, that they're told, and they're believing it, I guess. And what's happening is, so we know Saul is going to die. And Saul believes it, and he's scared. So they went out into the evil. They went out into the night. Now, I guess maybe some credit should be given that they still tried to fight, but they obviously lost. Now, this is very interesting. Now, we're going to, if we jump ahead just a little bit, keeping track of this, I just want to kind of put the story together. Uh huh, uh huh. Okay, so we put the story together a little bit. We know that at one time, David went when Saul was after him. I'm going backwards a little bit. And remember, David went to the priest of Nav and they gave him Goliath's sword. Uh huh. Aha. Now, the average sword was roughly about three foot long, okay? And a, a guy, a man, my size, your size, could carry a three-foot sword. But Goliath is three times the not normal size, so his sword would have to be much larger. His hands would be much larger. Uh-huh. So, and then, so David, pardon, David goes and he gets the sword from um, the, uh, the priest. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he takes the sword. Where does he take the sword to? Where does he go? You're going to have to help me on this one. Uh, um, well, there's a very famous because we already read that chapter back in chapter. Um, no, that's that's for that's part of tonight's stuff. Huh? That's part of tonight's stuff. Okay, I know, but I'm saying we we referred to that earlier tonight. Yes, that we did. He took that. So he took that guy sword. killed all the the uh, Doeg the Edomite killed all of those yes, priests he did. because they had given David that sword, right? Right. And some bread from the uh, right. the showbread. David. He's running from Saul, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Where does he run to? Well, is that when he hides in the wilderness and then he get, meets uh, Abigail? No. This is where he runs over and makes a deal with the Philistines. Okay. He goes over to the Philistines and he, and, he, uh, and he begins to work with them and hide among them from Saul mm-hmm. and endears himself a little bit to them. But he would never fight against the, the, the Jewish Soldiers or, or army. There you he go. would only fight now, against the other army. We talked about the Amalekites, right? The Amalekites. Yeah. And we talked about um, that he wouldn't touch somebody that had the anointing, right? right. But obviously Saul would. So he would not fight against his own people. Against ah, but what happens when? Uh, let's see. I think it's chapter twenty-one. Uh huh. Um, so they took the sword of Goliath. So he's got the sword. It's much larger than a boy. Uh, who's 5'10", five, 5'8", five, maybe, David, can uh-huh. handle. He can't handle a big sword like that. Okay. And now he goes to over. He's running from Saul, and he runs over to make a deal with. What uh, is that king's name? I, I don't know. In, in, evidently, he endears himself to the king and, and helps them in their battles. Uh-huh. And, uh, that, and Saul, I mean, David used... An interesting thing to try to convince the king of the Philistines that he was not in his right mind, didn't he? That's right. Uh-huh. Where are you going? Well, we're going to say, so he takes with him, get the picture, he takes with him Goliath's sword. Okay. So picture this guy that's walking up there dragging a sword three <laughs> times too big for him. Uh-huh. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, look at me, I'm drooling all over myself and I'm... I am crazy and I can't I can't do anything and and I and I, I kill Goliath. Uh-huh. 
and they're looking, so it kind of supports it with a, a stage prop, you might say. Uh huh. That he really was, uh, he really was looking pretty crazy because, I mean, you know, you think, this is the kid? Yeah. He's got Goliath's sword. And so, and obviously, Saul says, I mean, the king says, well, uh, and that's in, uh, let's see, chapter 21, I believe. Yeah. And he faked insanity, right? And, and the Philistines take him in, right? They do. Yeah. Now. I got it. Yes, yes they do. Now, he says he King entered, Akish of uh, Gath. Uh, Gath, uh-huh. uh-huh. And Goliath is from Gath. Uh, so he acted, David acted like a crazy man, mad in their sight, scratching, graffitiing stuff on the walls, uh-huh. and letting saliva drool down his beard. Well... <laughs> and look, I love uh, Aikish is kind of humorous. Must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. That's right. That's a, that's <laughs> Why right. should I let someone like this be my guest? And so that, but they did take him in, right? They did. Mm-hmm. Now, what's fascinating is, is that uh, later on they're going to go to war against the Jews, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. And they said, "Do you?" Uh, but the the guards. Of uh, of uh, of the the princes, the commanders of the Philistines, uh-huh. uh, does not want David among them. Uh huh. Right. Exactly. <laughs> They're very suspicious. And and that makes a lot of sense, right? Right. Because they they give the excuse. Well, how do we know he won't turn on us right in the middle of the battle? But let me put this in perspective. May I? Mm, sure. So I mean, you're 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 kind of stable. You're kind of uh, putting together these opening chapters and these chapters of the book of First Samuel. The, the the Saul is pursuing David, trying to do him harm, do away with him, get him out of the way, so his son Jonathan can succeed succeed him and and on the throne. And of course, Saul has got his own problems. He's worried about. Uh, his own people uh, uh, hurting him and attacking him. And of course, he's got these enemies, the Philistines and others, that are attacking him. So he's got he's got himself in a mess. And well, he told you know we just saw that that's what he told that's this, right. this so witch. Looking at chapter twenty nine, okay, of First Samuel. First Samuel. Okay, I'm there. Uh, the Philistine lords or the commanders they said to the king, "Hey, why is David, the servant of King Saul of Israel, with us?" Uh, and the king says, well, he's been here for a couple of years. He's been nothing but loyal. He's done everything I wanted him to. And I said, and look at verse uh, 4. Uh-huh. The commanders of the Philistines were angry with Achish. And they said to him, send him back. Let him return to the place you assigned him. And where did he assign him? To uh, a couple of little Jewish villages they had conquered. He was more uh-huh. or less the supervisor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So... Don't let him go to battle with us or interfere with us in battle. Uh, how can we? How can we prove his loyalty if not with the heads of those men? Isn't this David about whom they have sung and danced and said Saul has his thousands, but David has his ten thousands? Yeah. So Achish called David and said to him, "You know, you're a swell guy. I really like you." And verse eight. I want to read verse eight. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, Achish summons David and he says I'm I'm on your side I believe in you but the other kings uh, the Philistine rulers don't want to hear of it they, he said but please don't upset them go back quietly what have I done to deserve this treatment David demanded what have you ever found in your servant that I can't go and fight the enemies of my lord the king 
But Achish insisted, as far as I'm concerned, you're as perfect as an angel of God. But the Philistine commanders are afraid to have you with them in the battle. Now get up early in the morning and leave with your men as soon as it gets light. So David and his men headed back into the land of the Philistines while the Philistine army went off to Jezreel. Okay, now, they're going, uh, the Philistines are going off to fight Jews, the, the Jews. Jewish people, Jewish army, right? And who's the king? Saul. Saul. Ah, so had David gone with the Philistines, he would have breached his own rule about not laying his hands on the anointed. On the anointed, but he didn't have to but because they kicked out, him out. It all worked yeah. out well. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened is David had to go back to the Jewish villages, and then, of course, he takes some men. He rescues the women that had been kidnapped, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he does his, his the right thing there. Now, that way that kept him from going to the battle and having to participate and perhaps even kill Saul. So he uh-huh. never laid his hands on the uh, anointed Saul. Now, here's something interesting. Now, we know from the story thus far that David took with him the sword of Goliath that he got from the the priest at Nob, right? Can I say something real just I real, have real, real any quick? Other way. This is an interesting battle when David gets back and he... They destroyed that town that he was Ziklag, yes. and he had to go out with six hundred men to go and 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 pursue these people who had taken the women and children. They had kidnapped them, and and so David uh, asked, consulted with the Lord, and and then he went after them. Uh, uh, what I want to say is that so David and his six hundred men set out. They came to the brook, but two hundred of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook, so he continued to pursue with 400 men. And he left these 200 men there with the equipment and and things so that they could keep it and he could move and pursue this uh, enemy uh, battalion uh, faster. But when he comes back, he shares the booty, the, the, the awards of the battle, with the people that stood, with the people that stayed. And that set a precedent. I, 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 to me, that's always been interesting that uh, David was the first one to say that even the people who stayed back from the battle in, a, in administrative or you know kind of a servant ro- ro- role, well, they, they, that they the participated and were given part of the reward Ask, of the battle. I, I heard a Colin, Spog, uh, Colin Powell give a speech in San Antonio a while back. Did he talk about that? Well, he did talk about this. He, Colin Powell said he can always tell the difference between an amateur warrior and a real warrior. Uh-huh. He said the amateur will always talk about the battle. But the professional soldier always talks about how he supplied his army. How about that? Interesting. Yeah, it is. So in verse 25, he says, And from that day on, this became a fixed rule in Israel. And it continues to this day that all people, all Mm -hmm. warriors share equally. Share and share alike. Those who go into battle and those who guard the equipment. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my question. I thought that was interesting. It is. (laughs) Here's my question. We know David went to the Philistines, King Akesh. He took with him Goliath's sword. Mm-hmm. What happened to Goliath's sword? Mm. Was that like an impersonation of a cow? Very uh, interesting. I'm uh, trying to think what happened. He took that sword to, and he he got it during Ziklag and so on. Would it? Um, well, he gave it to the. We know he took it there when he presented himself. Here's this kid yeah. carrying mm-hmm. his sword. It's three mm-hmm. times too big mm-hmm. for him. He's drooling on his beard. And he says, I'm David, I, and this is a sword. I killed Goliath. Yeah, I'm nuts. Yeah, I'm drooling on my beard. 
And so he's the whole presentation, the stage presence, you might say, looks uh-huh. rather... Do Jewish so. scholars and all that in the back, they know what happened to the uh, sword? I don't think that's fair for you to ask me. I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. So what happened know, to the sword? he took the sword back to the Philistines, Okay, right? all right. And where was he, the king from? Gath. And where was Goliath from? Gath. Gath. Now, the sword has now been returned, last we left our hero... To the king of Akesh, the major king okay. of the Philistines. Okay. But now, after David can't go to battle with him, and he goes back to battles with, uh, goes back to the Jewish village that had been captured by the Philistines, and mm-hmm. he's more or less the supervisor, the administrator, and at the behest of the king of the Philistines. But what happened to the sword of? Goliath? I don't know. Well, and guess what? I know that Goliath's skull was buried on uh, uh, Golgotha, skull of uh, Goliath of Gath, outside of Jerusalem, that where the, he cut off his head. It was buried there. So well, later only, on, only in interest of time because mm-hmm. I know I've got two minutes sure. left. Real quick, but I so, don't know what happened to the sword. Well, I can't they found, recall. They, they did find an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David. They gave him food and water and got him re re healthy again, uh-huh. and then he agreed since he'd been kind of a captured slave, uh-huh. to lead them to where the armies were. That David was searching to get the women and children back. Uh-huh, okay. So there you have the Egyptian. Now, conversely, when Saul dies up in chapter, uh, um, uh, the, the beginning of chapter 30. In that battle, right? In that battle. And he commits suicide, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, the guy that claims and tells David that he killed him was a Amalekite. Amalekite. Uh-huh. Now, and David asked him, how did you have the courage to lay your hands on the anointed of God? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, look, the reason those stories are there, there are, there's a vignette of the Egyptian. He was helped. Okay. He didn't lie. You have the Amalekite who lied and tried to say he killed him. He thought, as you said, he's going to get a reward. But you've got the overall story being set up between David, who honored and respected God. The contrast, yeah. And, the, and Saul, who, who would didn't. kill the priest. Mm-hmm. Saul was totally, totally bereft of any respect or honor. There was no, he couldn't be king anymore. So we've got all that story going. And that sort of brings us up to uh, in chapter 30, um, 2 Samuel. And he said, David asked this guy, who are you? He said, I'm an Amalekite. And he said, uh, I, uh, I stood by him, and I brought him here. I brought his crown to you. Uh-huh. And David took hold of the garments, and he ripped, ripped, and he lied, and he, he cried. They lamented and wept and fasted for Saul and his son Jonathan. Then David, then David had this guy killed. Right. And this guy was killed. For With Goliath's sword? Is that? No, I didn't no. say that. And I haven't said where Goliath's sword is. I know, but you better tell us quick. No, I can't. I'll have to talk about it next week. Really? Yeah. You're really. going to make us wait a week to find I out what say, happened to Goliath's sword? Uh, that's a good sword. summation, yes. <laughs> All right. That is good. You had me going. I'm so eager to know this. Uh, but you won't tell me off air either, really, right? You I cannot me... spoil the whatever it is. <laughs> the suspense. Hey, remember, if you uh, you should always be the kind of person you'd like to have for them. All right. See you next Bible week, Live folks. Bible is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. 
That's box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz, Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.